Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. First thing is going to be make converts, share the gospel with them. Then make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I command you to. That's exactly what I'm doing today. That's what I do every week. That's what the pastors do here, teaching everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you. You're not doing this alone to the very end of this age until I come back. So discipleship is a lifelong adventure of being like Jesus. Uh, Wait a minute. You mean that Jesus expects me to be exactly like him? To do everything he did? Man, that's a big task. How in the world am I, an insignificant person, supposed to do all that? Well, Pastor Mark will be teaching us just how we can be obedient to Jesus' command. He will be speaking about our need to be constantly filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit and listening and obeying his directives. We will hear about our need to love people in the same way that Jesus did, being willing to do whatever he asks us to do to win the lost for his kingdom. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke, chapter 19, with part one of his message, Jesus Corrects Wrong Expectations. Expectation. Well, it's a belief that something will happen or is likely to happen. In our teaching today, you're going to see Jesus correct wrong expectations. Now, all of us have had wrong expectations. We thought it was going to be like this, and it wasn't like this. Let me give you an idea. When Linda and I moved here in 1969 to Florida, we'd been before... But we've saw people before even do this. When they come to Florida and they can go to the beach every day, it's wonderful, it's warm, they can play golf, they can do all these things. Then they go home and they move here, expecting to go to the beach every day, play golf every day, whatever. Guess what? There's something else. It's called W-O-R-K. Some of you have been to Florida now. You moved here. You ain't been to the beach in 10 years. (laughs) See, it's a wrong expectation. Here's another one. In the summer, lots of people fly all over the world. And they have this exciting thing. I'm going to get on an airplane because when I get on, the seat's going to be so comfortable. And there's going to be so much leg room, I just can't stand it. And if you fly recently, that's a wrong expectation. If you fly Spirit Airlines, it's not really a Spirit Airline. It's like a demonic airline or something. I don't, no, I'm, the, you know, what, what's happened to the, the leg room? Don't laugh. You say, well, I don't believe that. Take an airplane ride. (laughs) By the way, sometimes it's good being short. Praise the Lord. Okay. So what are we looking at? Well, we're going to look at a parable from Jesus to correct wrong expectations. 
A parable is just a designed to teach a lesson through comparison. It's for his disciples, his followers, but it's for all of us this morning. Luke 19, verse 11. While they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable. Because, here's the reason, he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once or immediately. See, we'd follow Jesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem to the cross to die, be resurrected and go to heaven. And the next town is Jerusalem. And so they thought, wow, wow, wow. It won't be long. We're going to be in Jerusalem. And he is going to announce the setting up of his kingdom. And we're going to get rid of the Romans. We're finally going to be a free Jewish nation like it was in the days of Exodus. But Jesus is going to give a parable that says, no, you have the wrong expectation. See, they expected him to set it up right now. It would be political and everything would be taking place. But he's going to say to them, no, your expectations are wrong. I told you before, I'm coming to Jerusalem for one reason, to die, to be crucified, to be resurrected, and then go to heaven. Eventually, I'm coming back to set up a kingdom, but it's not going to happen now. The disciples hear this whole parable that we're going to study this morning, but look what happens just a week or two later. Look what they say in Acts 1-6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him the same crazy question. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? You know what the disciples were there? A little slow to learn. Now, don't laugh. How many want to join me and say, sometimes we're slow to learn? Yeah, exactly. The rest of you, you're just too told to raise your hand. That's all. Because we all have wrong expectations. And sometimes that's hard for us to change. But Jesus is going to teach and correct them as we go through this passage of scripture. Verse 12, here's the parable. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. Easy to see who that is. Jesus is the man of noble birth who went to a distant country, heaven, and to await the time when he went there, he was basically crowned king. Jesus today is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He matched what the fun name was on their cross. They made fun of him, remember? King of kings, Lord of lords. He is in heaven. That's exactly what he is. And he's waiting, notice, he's waiting to return. Now, what is he waiting to return for? Let me give you an idea. Let's just talk about the world of prophecy. Okay, here's Jerusalem. Jesus would go to the cross, die, be resurrected. A little while later, after meeting lots of people, he'd go to heaven. Now, when is he going to return? Well, he will return maybe in the rapture, and that he doesn't come to earth. So this parable isn't about the rapture, even though we believe there is one. He's going to come, and he's going to actually set up his kingdom on this earth, and that's called 
the millennium. It's a thousand years reign when he comes back to our earth after the tribulation, after everything is destroyed. And we get not the whole new earth at that point, but after the thousand years, we get that. But we get an earth that's like basically paradise. So what you see in that first sentence is Jesus says, I'm going to heaven to a distant country. I'm going to be a king. I'm waiting to come back and then I'll set up my kingdom. The kingdom of God ruled for a thousand years on this earth. He will be in Jerusalem ruling. No worries, no any kind of sin like that. It's just perfect for them. Between now and then is the story. He said, I won't be back for a while. Now watch what happens. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. I'll explain it all. 10 servants were his disciples or his followers in their day. Now, who are the servants today? Raise your hand. You and me. This parable applies to you and me. So this is us, every single Christ follower. So there's lots of application. Now, he gave them, notice, 10 minas. That equaled a three-month salary. But this isn't really about money. You'll see that in a moment. Now, here's something very unique. In the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, people were given certain talents. Some people had 10 talents, and some had five, and some had two. They were different because those talents weren't the same. But notice in this parable, everybody gets the same minus 10. So that means everybody I'm speaking to as Christ followers, we're all equal with what God gives us. Well, what is a mina, Pastor Mark? I'll show you. So we're all equal. Nobody's different than anybody else. We're all equal with this responsibility and gift. Look what he says after he gives them these minas. The last part of verse 13. Put this money to work. He said, until I get back. You know, work is a four-letter word to a lot of people. It's hard work. Now, notice, there's wrong expectations of lots of people. Some Christ followers think their spiritual goal, when they get saved and their sins are forgiven, they're born again, that's it. Can't wait till they get to heaven. But let me remind you today, God didn't send Jesus to die just so he could have fire insurance. Notice what he says to everybody. Get to work. Put this money to work. So we're here to invest for one reason, to expand the kingdom of God. Now, here's what I want you to write. This is kind of where it begins to get close to all of us. Jesus says, get busy, work hard at my business. Doesn't mean we shouldn't have a job and take care of our kids and all that kind of, of course. At my business, and you work hard at it until I come back, the second coming. So get active, get busy, expanding the kingdom. Now, when you think about that, what is God's business? Well, you're in the right chapter. Scoot right up to verse 10, where we've been before. Luke 19.10, look right up there. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. That's the mission of the church, to seek out sinners, share the good news with them, 
transfer their lives for eternity so that they also can join us and expand the kingdom of God. In other words, God's goal is no people perish, but they will perish unless they hear the gospel. That's why you and I are here, not only to worship God, not only to learn, but to share the gospel. Now, remember, a mission statement is basically the purpose of a business. This is the purpose. So what is minus today? It's not the money that you have three months money. It was the same in Jesus' day. Minus equals the gospel, the good news, sharing people about the good news. That Jesus died, they can have a new start, their sins can be forgiven, everything wiped out and begin again. That's it. So remember, in this room, anywhere in the world, we're all what? Tell me. Equal responsibility. So here's what you want to write. Every Christ follower has equal responsibility and opportunity to share the gospel. That's exactly it. Now, here's the problem. Many of you even here, if you're new to our church, or many Christians in many other places would say, well, that's not right. I don't have that gift. I'm just a Christian. I, you know, I can serve in the parking lot, but I'm not sharing the gospel. That's not for me. God didn't give me that at all. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you, your expectation is wrong. Because right in front of you, we see Jesus say, no, every one of us has ability, responsibility, and the privilege to share the good news, the gospel with the lost. That's how we get here. Now, what proves that? Let's just go over it very quickly. You're an unbeliever. You're presented the gospel that Jesus died for you. You come down here at our altars or wherever. You watch the Harvest Crusade last week. Somebody shares with you and they lead you to Christ. When the first step coming to Christ, accepting him, asking forgiveness, and we'll give you an opportunity to do that in this service as we always do. What happens? You're converted to Christianity from being a non-believer. That first step is always convert. You become a convert. Is that where it ends? No. What's the next step? Starts with a D. Discipleship. Learner under discipline. We grow to become like him. We grow to think like Jesus, to minister like Jesus, and to go in the world and share the gospel as Jesus did. Now, how do we know that? Well, before Jesus left, he gave us the Great Commission. Let me read it to you. Then he gave us the Great Empowerment. See, we can't do this without being filled with the Spirit. So let me read to you the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples. First thing is going to be make converts, share the gospel with them. Then make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I command you to. That's exactly what I'm doing today. That's what I do every week. That's what the pastors do here. Teaching everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you. You're not doing this alone to the very end of this age until I come back. So discipleship is a lifelong adventure of being like Jesus. Let's go back and look at this. Put this money to work, verse 13, until I come back. Some people have the wrong expectation that Jesus is never going to come back. Is anybody glad that Jesus is coming back? Okay. God, the ones that didn't clap, wait longer for them. Would you, God? Let me try it one more time. In this place, 
of amazing, mature believers filled with the Spirit. Is anybody glad that Jesus is coming back? Hallelujah! Does this world need it? We go to a ball field. Lord, help us. You go to England and you see that building. Don't you almost cry when you see the What? Let me tell you something. I'm ready for an amen now. Because I don't want to do what I just did again. And you don't want me to do it. <laughs> Understand something. We are the only ones that have the good news. You know, we say, they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Nobody has the answer to the world. The answer to this world is Jesus Christ. That's the answer. And outside here, they do not know it. But you don't have to go to the Middle East. You can just walk out the doors. They don't know. That's why Jesus said, go work at it. Come on, let's expand the kingdom of God. Jesus said that to his disciples 2,000 years ago. But how does that fit us? Well, he hasn't come back yet. So here we are 2,000 years later. We're doing the same thing. Now, I'm to be sharing the gospel until maybe my death, your death, will come before he comes back. We don't know. Or maybe the rapture will come. We don't know when that would be, but he doesn't come to earth then. That's just in the sky. So this parable is really about the second coming. So until I die or the second coming comes, what am I to be doing? Working the business, sharing the gospel. Every single one of us, no exceptions, every single Christ follower. Look at verse 14. There's some people who are listening to Jesus, religious leaders and other Jews. Watch what he says. But his subjects hated him and sent the delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Well, who would that be? Well, the subjects were the Jewish religious leaders specifically. But it wasn't just them saying that. It was all the unbelieving Jews who weren't following Jesus. You remember what happened? Jesus one day said this, I came to my own first, the Jewish people, but they totally rejected me. That's who he's talking about. The Jewish people, the Jewish leaders were saying, we don't care when you're coming back. You're not the Messiah. We're not interested in you at all. Notice the word. We hate you. Christianity is always about a warfare between God and Satan. Now, Satan is not equal to God, but he fights against God and anything. He hates people becoming believers. He hated Jesus. And these Jewish people are basically saying, we're not interested. I don't know who you are, but you're not our king. Now, verse 15. He was made king, however, and he returned home. So let me just stop you right there. Okay, let's follow through. He went to the cross, resurrected, spent some time with his disciples, went to heaven. When he got into heaven, he was made king, Jesus. He's on the throne today, king of kings and lord of lords. And then he comes back. So this is the second coming. It hadn't happened for the disciples. It hasn't happened for us. But he's showing us what's in store for your future and my future. He came back as king of kings. Now, watch what happens. 
because this affects every single Christian. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money. Notice this lessons in order to find out what they had gained with it. What is that? It's a judgment. It's a time to go, okay, I gave you the opportunity to share the gospel all these years. How did you do? Let's examine. Tell me what was happening in your life. You see, this means I'm going to give an account to God one day, and I'll show you where that is, as how I did. Serving him. Remember, there's expectations. People say, well, forget to heaven. I could care less about. Uh, Sorry, you're going to give an account to God of how you obeyed him, how you grew like him, how you use your time, your talents, your abilities. It's not about salvation. We're in heaven. But there is a judgment day coming. Let me show you what that looks like. Here it is. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must say the next word with me. All. Does that include anybody I'm speaking to? It includes every Christian. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There's a judgment for believers and a judgment for unbelievers. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in his body, while alive, whether good or bad. Now, again, it's not about sin, but we're going to be judged and rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. That means God's interested in how we're serving him. How are we doing as stewards, taking care of that which he's given us? In the end, what does that look like? When you were born, God gifted you. He gave you talents, money, time, all those kind of things. And here, this particular parable is about the gospel. So here's God's basically potential for you. And here we are. Our goal here on earth is to close the gap and get as close as we can to his potential. Meet what he wants us to do. Now, nobody will ever get here. Only Jesus got there. The rest of us are going to be out here somewhere. Okay, that's our goal, to get close. So ask yourself this morning, are you interested in the lost? And you'll see in a moment, someone's not interested in the lost at all. So our goal is, this is the judgment. And we'll be rewarded for that because we did what our master asked us to do. So here he's going to go. There's 10 servants, but Jesus only breaks it down to three in the end. So watch this. Look at verse 16. The first one came and said, sir, Circle this word in your Bible. Your mina has earned 10 more. Now, here's what many Christians get confused with today. Notice this man didn't say, Jesus, here's my mina. Well, it has to be mine. You gave it to me. No, it isn't his. Notice what he says. Here's your mina and what I did with it. Pastor Mark reminded us that we humans, when faced with the possibility of really good news, tend to expect and hope that the good thing will happen soon. Jesus' parable, though, was a necessary reminder that for God, events happen in His perfect timing. It's our responsibility to trust Him and ask Him for patience while carrying out His commands in the meantime. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Next time, we'll continue with the story of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem prior to Passover week and his crucifixion. Pastor Mark will continue teaching from the parable Jesus was sharing with us. We'll be told again what Jesus' primary mission was, as well as being reminded of the role that we Christ followers have in representing Jesus to the world. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.